Welcome to Backyard Philosophy, a podcast where a couple friends grab some cold ones, sit around the fire, and talk about science, philosophy, and history. Crack one open, sit back, and get a good laugh as we discuss everything from automation to why the meaning of life is 42. What is the common ground every nation is built upon? It's in fact ground, well, soil. No matter if you live in a representative democracy or a communist country, without soil, no one can live out any of the grand ideas we talk about. Without the soil that supports us to live and grow food, we have nothing. There's more going on in the soil than most people know, and I wanted to bring my appreciation of soil to you guys so that we can all appreciate soil and kind of have an idea of what's going on and just value it for something that I think is vastly undervalued in our society. I would completely agree with that, Nick. Soil is something we all take for granted. Come from everything we need to eat to the ground we even walk on. We probably go by it every day without even thinking about it. Yep, and it is, besides water, something that we need to survive. We can have as much water as we want, but without soil and the microbial activity and fungus in soil, we probably couldn't grow all the food that we need. But before you get into that, Nick, how you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing good. I'm drinking a Shinerbach, a little Texas beer for you, Mike. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm joining you with some Buffalo Trace, some bourbon, kind of my go-to. But I'm actually so excited about soil, Nick. It's really weird for me to say because it's like fractals. It's a world inside of a world. And I'm really hoping to learn a lot, and I assume I will. Yep. And for those of you who have taken a soils class or something, this one might be a little bit elementary, but I wanted to go over kind of everything that's pertaining to soils. So you know who you are. It's going to start talking about how soil is formed. Soil has to come from somewhere. It doesn't just appear overnight. In fact, it takes, well, depending on the soil, sometimes thousands, millions of years, sometimes a few years to form. There's five factors that affect the formation of soil. And one of the most important is parent material. Pretty much most soil is degraded minerals that come from weathering of rocks, volcanic ash, sediment moved by erosion from streams. At one point, all those little pieces of dirt used to be part of a bigger rock or organic matter, but they came from somewhere. So that's going to be when it breaks down whatever element it was, you know, probably like a sandstone or basalt, but you break it down further into sulfur, you know, whatever element that makes up that kind of rock. Next soil forming factor is climate. So climate, as we all know, determines how much plant animal life and how much decomposition occurs. It really affects the amount of water for erosion, the soil temperature. The soil temperature is important for microbial activity. Too hot, you won't get a lot of microbial activity. Too cold, you won't either. The amount of rainfall causes leaching of certain minerals in the soil. Rain causes runoff. It does that same thing to elements that are already in the soil. So anything that's a little bit water soluble. So in areas like more coastal areas, you get a lot of rainfall and you have always warm, never freezing, never too hot, never too cold. There's a lot of decomposition that goes on. So you see more organic matter build up in your soil. You also see more erosion just because you get more rain. Another soil forming factor are the living organisms that are in your soil. So this includes anything from earthworms, which that's probably all of our first experience into soil organisms. Bacteria, fungi that live in the soil that do help plants grow, decompose things, fix nitrogen, phosphorus, whatever. There's We'll get into living organisms a little bit later. There's a huge scale of things that are covered by those animals, or bacteria, fungi. Um, well, I didn't eat them, but I didn't also not play in them. 
Nick, were you one of those kids who ate mud and worms growing up? I did collect insects occasionally. <laughs> That's fair. I think every kid was playing in the mud at one point. But uh, in insects, it includes earthworms, obviously, but there's a lot of different insects that have different effect on the soil. Another one is burrowing animals. So think like moles and rabbits and snakes. Anything that digs a den, that's going to affect the soil because, you know, they're, they're digging it out. It's also going to affect where the water flows. You know, it's water is going to flow down into there and get in the groundwater deep. And they're going to deposit organic matter, whether it be from leftover meals, feces, whatever. That's going to play a role in how the soil is made. I also imagine burrowing animals like worms are really good at rotating the soil, you know? Have your minerals sink to the bottom and help bring them back up and get like a little cycle going. Yeah, they create pores in the soil and they help break it up. And uh, we'll get there a little bit later, but that is an important aspect of, of earthworm's role in creating healthy soil. The fourth soil forming factor is landscape position. This is where, where is the soil, right? So where rain falls, where rain accumulates, it's all going to have an effect. If you have something on the side of a mountain and there's nowhere for water to run off and all that water collects there, you're going to get really really wet, saturated soils. It's going to be boggy. I mean, you can picture this really boggy ground right now. There could be soils five feet over that has that there's bedrock or something, or there's no bedrock that doesn't keep that soil soil moisture there and allows that water to drain. And it's going to look completely different. It could be the same exact soil content. You could have the same percent sand, silt, clay. Everything could be exactly the same, just the amount of water. But to our eyes, those are going to be two very different soils. Another aspect of of landscape position is where is it is it a south slope or north slope you're going to get different sunlight different because of that different plants that grow there if it's a steep steep hill you're going to have a lot more erosion going on water travels faster down a steep hill so it brings more sediment with it it's like a soup almost, Nick. Depending on what ingredients you add and when, you get different results. Yep, exactly. And the last one is one of the most important ones, time. How long has that soil been in contact with soil forming factors such as plants and animals? So look at like Michigan. Michigan is, uh, or at least Upper Peninsula, it's kind of little rolling hills in a lot of places. That's sediment runoff from glaciers when there used to be glaciers there. It took thousands of years for all that runoff to turn into the productive soil that we know up there today and not to mention decaying animals like you mentioned earlier yeah exactly so all that time organic matter is growing and decomposing it adds bits and pieces back to the soil and one of the examples i think is good for this one is think of like an alluvial floodplain so you every year where it floods out and you get a fresh deposit of new sediment all that stuff is really productive that's a very young soil but if you go further up on the floodplain where it hasn't flooded in a long time it's probably gonna be the same mineral makeup i mean it's still just leftovers of flooding but it's had a lot more time to interact and decompose so it's going to be pretty different soils when you look at it even though on an elemental scale it's probably pretty similar i guess uh appearances can be weird to the human eye like you mentioned nick with all these south slope and rain and no rain i mean think about all the different soil there is in the world i mean think about all the different animals in the world that's millions and then you add on to the microorganisms the creatures in that make up the sands in the sahara compared to the rainforest there's there's a reason why the rainforest is the rainforest there's 
there's so many minerals and so much organic matter decomposing and going back to the soil, making it fertilizer for the land. And the Sahara, where there's kind of only a few minerals, it's not got all the ingredients to make that organism soup, so to speak, for life to expand on. Yep. I'm glad you kind of brought up the Sahara. So each soil, every soil you hold, no matter where you are, has is made up of sand particles, silt particles, and clay particles. And so that's called a soil texture. Certain textures will have more of each, and each of those, however much they have, is determined some properties. So if you have very clay particles or very clay soil, clay is the smallest particle. Like think if a soil or um, a sand particle is the sun and clay particle is like the earth. Did not know clay was that small. Yeah, it's very small. And because of that, it has it's a, it has a lot of different places for little pores inside it that helps water hold there. They're called micropores. And these micropores in clay help hold water longer than macropores and bigger pores in soil in um, silt and sand particles. Now you need, you want a mix of everything, right? So the clay particles that have the small pores, the water in there is held together with adhesion and cohesion. The macropores in soil or in sand, the giant particles, you know, everyone can picture sand, right? On a beach, it gets wet as the tide goes in and out. And then pretty soon after the water stops hitting it, it dries out quickly. It's because it doesn't hold water like the silt and the clay do. So they are quicker to take up water because it doesn't take much work for sand or in those big pores for water to come in. When in the smaller pores, the micropores, they kind of have to push the air out. So it takes longer for clay to bring up those, bring up that water, but it's harder for them to get rid of it too. Makes sense. Water runs off a smooth surface almost compared to a porous uh, surface. Exactly. And um, there's also mesopores, which are medium-sized pores. So this is important because water, one of the vital things for life, water enters the soil through precipitation, irrigation, and it leaves the soil through draining down in the groundwater, taken up by the plant roots, evaporation and transpiration from plant leaves. Different soil textures, like we said, can store and hold water longer. So soils that can hold water for a long time are going to be better for growing plants because plants don't just need water right after it rains. Plants need a somewhat constant stream of water. But you also don't want to get too waterlogged. You know, like we talked about kind of the boggy soil earlier, there's only a few plants that can live in that kind of soil. To kind of break it down with the sand, silt, and clay, sand particles are between 2.05 millimeters, silt particles 0.05 to 0.002 millimeters, clay particles are 0.002 millimeters. They're very small. There's a, a triangle that people use and like we said to determine clay texture or soil texture determine how much sand silt and clay is in it because it can kind of give you an idea of how it behaves you can also figure that out by rolling that same soil in your hand there's different tests and stuff you'd have to look up the uh paper but it goes something like if you pinch a little bit of soil in your hand and wet it down a little bit and you roll it between your fingers and it curls then it's something else if you can make it curl to a certain length then it's got this much clay in it which is just kind of interesting it's how they used to do it before they could have machines figure everything out for us that is very interesting i did not know that probably be a great benefit for explorers trying to figure out fertile land 
Probably. Soil texture is important because think for field of corn, you want it to be able to drain excess water because plants take up most of their air, or carbon and not carbon, but oxygen and nitrogen from the soil. So when everything's completely flooded, they can't get a hold of any of that. So soil, give you the breakdown of what actually is soil. Soil is 45% minerals. So clay, silt, sand, gravel, stones, 25% water. This kind of depends on where you are. Obviously, soil in the Sahara is not 25% water, but this is a general statement. 25% air and 5% organic matter. That's it? 5% organic matter? Yep. Living and dead organisms. And it's not different areas going to have more organic matter. Like if you go over to a coastal forest where you have just a ton of organic matter, you're going to have a lot more hummus and stuff on top. In agricultural fields, you may not have as much. It, it It's all dependent, but this is a general that's kind of been accepted for if you go anywhere in the world, this will get you pretty close to the ballpark. That really surprises me because there's, I mean, everything dies. And I imagine, I, I guess it's a balance of death and reusing the minerals and material back into surface huh that that them were just really surprising me sorry well soils go pretty deep too um for me personally when we when i talk about a deep soil that means i can dig down with no bedrock for like a foot or something but that's that's a shallow soil in a lot of places we just have steep slopes where you don't get a ton of dirt soil accumulation just because of how steep it is out of curiosity, because this is uh, this is kind of a random question. What and I? What is the random soil depth? Because I imagine is it the entire crust? Is it does it go down in the mantle? Like when does soil become not soil? At bedrock. Okay. I mean, it, do you know happen to know what say the bedrock in your area is? Is it like three meters down or something like that? Yeah, uh, that depends how if you're on the ridge top or you're down in the draw or in the field. Um, for for some, let's say a field. In a field, you could probably get like if I, if I had to guess, yeah, like 10, 15 feet. So if say, and what's that in 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 the metric system? Nick? No idea. Say you went to Southern Illinois, Mike, somewhere prairie ecosystems. Uh, there's some grasses that were there's I can't remember exactly where they're originally from. Somewhere in the Midwest, they're one of the most deep rooting grasses. They have us. Uh, roots that go down 25 to 30 feet oh jesus just because that's where the water is so they need to go down to get to the water because it dries up during the summer that that is amazing i didn't even know about that same with think it's an oak it's some east coast tree i want to say white oak not don't quote me on that but they can uh, regularly their roots will break through bedrock to uh, get to water and they can go 90 feet through solid rock Ah, they are the dandelions of the root system. Instead of breaking upwards, they break downwards. Yep. And just because I was curious, and I knew we were talking about roots, I looked up the uh, deepest root structure, and it's a wild fig tree in Transvaal, South Africa. No idea if I said that right. Guess how, how far it went down, Mike? Well, there are grass roots that reach 25 feet. I imagine 50 feet for the tree? 400 feet. 400 feet that's oh that's that's over a football field that's yeah and just think of think of if someone's trying to pull that out of their lawn with like a like an excavator or something (laughs) honey i'm going to the sun the earth to remove this tree i'll be back yep yeah you got to go where the water is wherever minerals are is dang I just, I wonder if there's a correlation of how deep the roots go compared to like lifespan of a tree versus and height of a tree. 
Well, generally for trees, what you so your crown, how far your branches go out above ground, it's generally the same for underground. Well, I imagine for that 400-foot tree, its uh, root tree is not the same. Just distance-wise, not up and down-wise. So from the center of the tree mm. out, um, different trees, you know, it really depends on how much water and nutrients are available and where they're available at. So if you live in an area where roots don't really have to go deep to get water, you're going to have most of your roots near the surface going out with the taproot going down for stability. If you're a tree, you need a lot of stability to keep your bowl, the, the base of the tree upright in all the wind and whatever else happens. And that all comes back to soil. Soil is the key. Yep. So now we're going to talk a little bit about soil horizons. So this is, imagine you're looking at a hillside and you just cut it in half, right? So now you can see the different soil depths and how they look at different depths and it's going to change a little bit of color. It's all going to be different horizons is what they call it. I don't know if you've ever seen a soil sample, but basically you just dig a big pit, you get down in it and you measure where the color changes and those are your different horizons. Like sedimentary rock, like where you can see the different layers, but with soil. See, I know a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you look at, see, I, well, it's the thing. I think everyone knows a little bit about soil, but it's hard to get the big picture on soil because it's not that help. Like it really doesn't affect most of our lives. Like only 1% of the United States works in agriculture. So 99% of people, this really doesn't affect any of us. <laughs> so the top horizon, the O horizon, that's the layer that we see every day. The top layer, it's got decomposing leaves, needles, decomposing animals, whatever, organic debris is up there. And then in that, there's kind of layers that aren't horizons, but you have your litter. Your litter is stuff that's decomposing like a leaf that you can see look at it say that's a leaf then you get to duff that's that stuff that's a little bit more broken up so that could be you can see like half a leaf or a stem so you kind of know that that's a leaf but it's not completely in shape and then hummus and that's organic matter that's so broken down you can recognize it as being organic matter that it was alive at some point but you can't tell if it used to be a leaf used to be part of an animal it's just not dirt it's not soil and not every soil has even a or littered duff layer you generally this is more of a forest kind of ecosystem where there's no management by man going on that you see this stuff accumulate your a horizon so this is when you're walking and you kick all that stuff all that uh, leaves and stuff aside and you see the actual dirt that's what your a horizon is this is your topsoil surface mineral horizon and it's going to be a little bit darker than all the other soil just because it has that organic matter effect it's all that hummus that was accumulated that's broken down into organic matter mixing with your uh, mineral soil layer after that you go down another level that's your e horizon this is where you get your leached clay there's no organic matter at all she knows your clay smaller kind of settles down stuff that if it's a water soluble mineral kind of leaches down to this layer there's really not much going on in your e b and c horizon as much as your a and o and i guess e horizon a little bit most of your organic matter stuff is taking place in your a horizon a little bit in the e and the o this is your top three coming down to your b horizon this is subsurface so there's very little organic matter, a lot of clay, and this is where most rooting zones end. So once you get past this point, you're very unlikely to find any roots that go below it unless we're talking about some of those oddball trees that just will do anything to find water. Then 
you have your sea horizon. This is another subsurface layer. It's it's uh, pretty, It's this is your parent material. So that stuff that was decomposed to start forming your soil, weathered rock, floodplain sediment. There's n not a lot of bacteria and little roots at this layer. It's uh, very undeveloped. There's not really, this is your oldest layer of soil down here. And then next is your R horizon, which is just your bedrock. You've reached the bottom. I guess Minecraft does teach us some things. You can't dig anymore past bedrock. See, there's a little truth in everything, isn't there? <laughs> there really is. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram 